Good morning, church. It's great to be together today for worship. I'm coming to you from a different room today here in my office, um, but it is great to uh, to be together, to sing together, uh, to worship our God. Today is the last of our series. Uh, we've called the Assurance Series because with all that's going on in this crazy world, we need to look to God and uh, and remember that He's in control, that He's got authority. Uh, we've talked about how He uh, cares for us, and he, our specific needs, our individual lives, not just the big things, but he does care for us. And he's always working. Last week, we talked about how God is working and how he works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Hopefully, this has really encouraged you. It's encouraged me. And what I have loved is having the discussions uh, with my brothers and sisters on Wednesday nights and, and talking about these truths about who God is and how he loves us and how he is working. And I think the Lord is ministering to all of us uh, through this time and through our conversations. Uh, today, we're gonna wrap up the series and the title of this message is God is Faithful. Now, what is faithfulness? Um, well, I've spent some time really thinking about that this week. And I, I think the first thing I think about is trustworthiness, proving trustworthy, that there's no doubt that what God says or what someone might say is going to happen. It's going to be true. It's going to be trustworthy. Um, faithfulness is coming through with what has been promised. Uh, your yes being yes, your no being no. Jesus does talk about that. It's never being abandoned. Never being abandoned. Never being left alone. When we need help, the help is provided. Um, when we think of faithfulness, a lot of times we think about a marriage, you know, a marriage being faithful to one another in this covenant relationship, uh, husband and wife, uh, the spouse. And we have uh, in the wedding ceremony, I've done many of them. I love doing weddings. I love uh, being there. It's, it's a, a wedding is not just a, a ceremony. Uh, it's not just about the the, the husband and the wife and the people. It's about God joining them together. It's a sacred moment. It's this sacred covenant moment. It's so special and so full of joy. Um, but what is marriage? It's full of devotion. It's this trust. Uh, it's a bond that's never to be broken. It's meant to be a faithful bond. Remember, for better or for worse. You know, when things go really good, uh, you're committed to each other. When things are going really bad, you're still committed to each other. Uh, for richer and for poorer. And we've been through that before. There's times where we've all, you know, uh, even though we ain't got money, I'm still in love with you, honey. I mean, those those can be some of the richest times in our life and our marriages. Uh, even when we don't have the money, we love each other, the strong relationship. Uh, but also even when money gets involved, you know, sometimes it can split people apart. For richer, for poorer, we are faithful in sickness and in health. You know, I think really over the last uh, few years, I have uh, witnessed and seen some extraordinary examples of love and devotion as uh, someone's spouse has suffered through an illness, uh, through a sickness. I think about um, uh, Wyndham and Jeannie Shaw up in Boston. Wyndham served as a minister and elder there in the church for many years. He was a strong leader, and then he suffered uh, through a really uh, just a, a terrible disease uh, for the last few years of his life and his wife Jeannie's by his side taking care of him. Uh, such an example of, 
of devoted, faithful love. Um, this type of love is just not about attraction. This type of love is just not about warm and fuzzies. This type of love is a devotion, a faithfulness. And that's what we're talking about, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. I think deep down in most of our hearts, I would say all of our hearts, we have a fear of being abandoned. We have a fear of somebody mistreating us. And we have a hard time of trusting other people because um, we have all experienced some type of betrayal. Maybe it's uh, growing up a friend did something wrong to you, or, or maybe we had some really just terrible things happen where we were betrayed by uh, someone we trusted, a family member, a spouse. Spouses uh, can hurt each other the most through unfaithfulness and betrayal, a, a parent, uh, a child, uh, a friend, someone in the church, maybe a leader, someone you trusted who did something, who lost your trust. And what that does, that can really do a number on our hearts. Can someone, can we really trust that someone will be faithful? Well, when we turn, turn the, the, the focus onto ourselves, we also have to realize that every one of us has also fallen short. We may have, have had the best of intentions of our love to our friends and to our family, to our spouse, and, and, but we have all fallen short one time or another without following through with what we've intended to do. So it is difficult to trust completely because we all know we fall short and we are human and we err. And this is where the grace of God, the understanding of the grace of God is, is such a key element to our relationships and how we express love and how we can forgive one another. But one thing that's so unique about God is that God never betrays us. God's trust can never be broken. God can never go against his, his word. He is always faithful. His promises will always hold true. So even though we have this brokenness that we deal with, with ourselves, with other people, that same brokenness does not apply to God. God is faithful. God is always trustworthy. God will always come through. Now, I know it may not always feel that way as we go through our lives. We may feel at times that God's not listening, that he feels distant, that he's not attentive to our concerns or our needs or our cries, but that's simply not true. God is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful. And this is the truth we're going to look at today. Deuteronomy chapter 31, Old Testament here. And this phrase is repeated several times when God is talking to Moses and to the Israelites, but also as God is, is handing off the leadership of the Israelites to Joshua. And in verse 7 of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, Moses summons Joshua and he says to him in the presence of all the people, he says, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. 
and you, to, you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And this same promise we see over and over, we see it repeated over and over that the Lord is going to be with his people. He says, the Lord will not forsake you. Though many, many times we see that, that God's people and we have forsaken God, God does not ever forsake and forget his people. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And this should give us so much comfort. Though we don't know what God is doing all the time, we don't know how he's working, we do know he's working, and we know that he's faithful, and we know that he never will forsake us. I want to look at a story today in the New Testament in John chapter 11. And I think we can glean a few things here about how we may feel about how God works when we may feel like God may be unfaithful or not trustworthy or not listening to us, but yet he is and what he's doing behind the scenes. And we see that very clearly in the story of Lazarus. It's not just a story, it's an actual occurrence, an event that happens that in many ways echoes the whole big picture of redemption and resurrection for all of us. And Jesus is going to do a miraculous thing by raising this man that he loved dearly, like a brother, Lazarus. So look in John chapter 11, verse 1. John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister uh, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by the world's light. It's when a person walks at night, they stumble for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go, let us also go, that we may die with him. There's so much packed in the story, and we'll continue in just a moment. <clears throat> but here we see 
obviously a family that Jesus cared so deeply about. And I think that reflects on how God cares for every one of us, all of his children. And Lazarus is sick and there's a need and the sisters call for him and they really have a lot of faith that Jesus can do something about it, that Jesus can bring healing, that Jesus can bring about a miracle and they call for him. And it says, it's interesting in verse five, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, uh, her sister and Lazarus. So when they heard Elijah was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And, and that to me is, is it's a, uh, very interesting and fascinating that Jesus would say, I love you so much, so I'm not going to go. Wow. It, it doesn't seem like that should be the case. If Jesus is so, so faithful and trustworthy, he's going to be there. We need his help. He says, I love you so much that I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to respond. And, and, and that doesn't really make sense to us so much. I think I think this can really help us uh, during this time. I've heard so many questions, and, and especially with our, our youth ministry, you know, bringing about these questions that I believe all of us have. God, why are you letting this, this, this COVID-19 pandemic continue on and on? And you could stop it in a moment, and, and these hundreds of thousands of people are dying, and and school won't start, and our life's a mess, and it's, it's, it's so stressful. God, why are you waiting? Why aren't you coming right now? And, and I, I don't have an answer for why. All I know is that God loves us so much that, in this instance, he waits. In what we're going through, he waits but he's faithful. He hears us. He's going to bring about an answer. He's going to come with help, but he's waiting. For what? He's waiting so God will be glorified through an event. That he knew that the raising of Lazarus from the dead is going to bring glory to God it was going to build the faith of the disciples. He said, I'm glad I'm not there because, because this is going to help you to believe. And this story is going to help us to this day to believe. To believe in what? To believe in the resurrection, not just the resurrection of Jesus, but to believe in our own resurrection. That we will be raised again to a new life. And this is what Jesus is going to show us here in Lazarus' resurrection. Verse 17, let's continue on. <clears throat> on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I love the faith of Martha. I think she's one of the people with the greatest faith that I've seen in all the scripture. She was disappointed that Jesus didn't respond in the time that she wished that he would. 
And we may feel that way. God, I'm disappointed. If you had been here, if you would have come, if you would have responded right away and stopped this sickness, it would have stopped this, it would have stopped that. But then she said, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. She knew that Jesus was faithful. She knew she didn't understand the whole picture. She had a humility about her. And I think we can model that type of faith. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And here we do see that what's going on in this miracle of Lazarus speaks not just about this event, but he's speaking about every one of us. He's speaking about all of our resurrection. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, this event is going to bring glory to God and give us hope and give us belief in the faithfulness of the promise of the resurrection that we all have awaiting. Verse 28, <clears throat> after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. She said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, Mary's faith may not have been at the same place Martha's faith was. I think she was pretty upset with Jesus. And she was very sad. She was very, very disappointed. But at least she came and she fell at his feet. And she was very, very emotional. But look what Jesus does. In verse 33, Jesus sees her weeping. And you see the Jews weeping who had come along with her. And he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? You see, one thing we learn about the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of Jesus through this encounter is that God's faithfulness comes from a deep well of love and compassion. Jesus simply didn't do this miracle out of a sense of duty and obligation. He felt it. This was not a legal contract. I've got to do this because I said I would. He 
felt with them. He looked at Mary and yes, he understood that her faith and maybe wasn't where it needed to be. But he saw her weeping and he was troubled and he was moved and he was moved to tears. He was troubled. His heart went out. People saw the depth of his love. He looked at him and said, he definitely loved Lazarus. Do you see that compassion? <clears throat> this brings me so much comfort that the faithfulness of God is not just because he said so. It's because he loves and feels and he's troubled. And even though he may wait, even though he knows the end of the story, even though he knows that Jesus is coming back, even though he knows we're going to be resurrected, even though he knows heaven is so awesome, he looks at us right now in his faithfulness and he feels with us and he cries with us and he's, he's saddened and he's troubled. And, and, and that brings me comfort. I think for Mary, who was upset, who was weeping, who was angry, maybe, saw that Jesus was, was moved, that he cared, that he cried. I think that drew her closer to Jesus than anything. And she's going to see a great miracle here, but she also knew and knows that Jesus has great love. Jesus' faithfulness is built on a relationship, not just an obligation or sense of duty. Well, of course, lastly, Jesus proves his faithfulness. Verse 38, <clears throat> Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been in there four days. I love how practical this story is. It's going to smell really bad, Jesus. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. He just looked up. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with street, strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. <clears throat> Jesus does this, says this, so that what we may believe in God's faithfulness. He says, I know you're faithful all the time. God, I know you do these things. I know you're going to fulfill your promises, but I'm saying this so everybody else will believe in your faithfulness, will believe in your trustworthiness, who believe in your promises. It's for our faith. Jesus brought resurrection, new life to Lazarus. 
This miracle was meant to bring glory to God and to build our faith. This miracle is a sign of the resurrection to come. We have so many great promises in the Lord. We do live a resurrected life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And I've experienced so much of my life, a newness in Christ. Uh, I've changed so much from the inside out. Yes, I still battle some of my old sinful nature and selfishness, but God has given me newness. He's given me new hope. I love what God has, has been able to build in my life, the, the, the grace that he's given me, the blessings of my family and my friends in this church, all because his ways are perfect and his ways work. There's so many promises that ring true, how God has been faithful and he sustains me. He sustains us. He provides for our needs and gives us blessing. But there is a resurrection that is to come. The fulfillment of the kingdom of God, this new life that still has not been completely made um, true for all of us yet, is still on the way, it's still coming. It's, it's being built, this home in heaven we've talked about, how Jesus is building and preparing for us. 1 Corinthians 15, our brother Paul tries to describe a little bit about what this is going to be like, what our Lazarus moment is going to be like. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. <clears throat> he says, so to be with the resurrection of the dead, our Lazarus moment. The body that is sown is perishable, and it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, and it is raised with power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. So even the resurrection of Lazarus was even just a foreshadow to our new spiritual resurrection. He goes on, I'll encourage you to, to read, uh, continue to read what Paul wrote there, but I'm going to, uh, for time's sake, skip to verse 50, and he talks about this great day where we're called out of our tomb, he says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, <clears throat> nor does the perishable, inherit, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will become true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He says, God is faithful. 
Jesus, his promise is true. He says, hang on to that. Trust in him. For he's going to call out one day as he did for Lazarus in a loud voice and the trumpet will sound and he will say, come out. And we'll be clothed with a new body. We'll be raised to a new life. Yes, we may waiting, maybe waiting a little longer than we want to. Yes, we wish, Jesus, you could have been here right away and answered our call right away. But he says, because I love you, I'm going to stay where I am for a couple more days. And then I'm going to come. Why? For the glory of God and for more faith and more belief in others. And that is why God is waiting. But his promise is true and he is faithful. He is faithful. God is faithful. We can trust in him. He will never, he can never forsake us or betray us or abandon us. Let's put our faith in him and always give ourselves fully to his work, to the labor of the Lord, for it is not in vain. There's a great song that um, we love to sing, an older hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it comes much out of Lamentations 3 as the writer in Lamentations is, is talking about the hardships he's having to battle through and struggle through. But in verse 22, he looks to the Lord and remembers his faithfulness. And he says, because of the Lord's great faithfulness, this is Lamentations 3, verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We're waiting. We're waiting as Mary and Martha waited. We're waiting for the return of Jesus. But he is coming. It is good to wait for his salvation. For the Lord is faithful. The song that was written by Thomas Chisholm in 1866. He was a school teacher and an ordained pastor. He had poor health. It forced him to leave ministry, and after a time of recuperation, he moved from Kentucky to New Jersey, became an insurance agent. A very regular guy. He wrote poetry. And he wrote this poem in a collection in 1923, and a man named William Runyon read this poem, and he wrote the music to accompany this great song. But it's in the everyday life, in the everyday life, the everyday faithfulness of God that this song really speaks. And I want us to think about this song as we end the service today. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions 
they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, stars, and their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Pardon for sin and peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I pray this message speaks to our hearts today. Let us put our hope and our trust in Jesus. For he is faithful. He is trustworthy. He will not and he cannot abandon us. We look forward to the fulfillment of all his promises and we will wait. We will wait with faith. We're so grateful that God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. God, while we have been unfaithful, while we have fallen and fallen short, even though we may be sincere, God, we know that is not who you are. But God, you cannot go back on your promises. God, you are true. God, you are loving. And you feel with us as we wait, as we go through struggles and hardships and questions, as we go through pandemics and hurricanes and and injustice in this world, God, we know that you feel and that you're troubled and that you cry and you weep and you reach down with us and you cry with us, Father. And that is such an amazing thing that you're not just a God of contracts and obligations and duty, but God, you're a God of compassion and a God of love. God, I pray that we see that very clearly in our lives. God, give us the faith of Martha that we may not understand, but we know that you are always working and can work. And to this day, God, you can do anything and will do everything. God, that we have that type of faith. And even if we have even just the faith of Mary who, who fell at your feet, but was disappointed and, and, and just overwhelmed with emotion, God, that we come and we fall at your feet. God, we know that you feel with us. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, I pray that anyone who's hearing this message today, that wants to begin a life of just trusting in you. God, that they will act on that today. God, thank you so much for your love. We pray these in Jesus' name, amen.